0: Skull Rock Podcast is brought to you by the generosity of the following companies. Shure, sound extraordinary. To podcasters, recording musicians, and streamers who are looking for studio quality audio at home or on the road, the Shure MV7 Podcast Kit is a premium all-in-one solution inspired by the legendary Shure SM7B and is designed to address the versatility required by modern creators. For more on the Shure MV7 podcast kit, visit shure.com, S-H-U-R-E.com, or click the link in our show notes. Shure, sound extraordinary. And by The Old Mill Press, publishing beautifully crafted books that illuminate our world. To learn more, visit theoldmillpress.com. And by listeners like you.
1: Hi, this is fifth grade teacher Heidi Levine, and you're listening to the Skull Rock Podcast.
0: Al John here, co-host of the Skull Rock Podcast. Unfortunately, we received sad news this week. Renowned author and friend of the show Barbara Abercrombie passed away recently after a short battle with cancer. She was an esteemed writer who published 16 books, including Courage and Craft, Writing Your Life into Story, A Year of Writing Dangerously, and many others. In this particular show, this is a tribute from her interview. 5th of 2021 so now i present to you the interview as a tribute to author barbara abercrombie rest in peace you will be missed skull rock podcast talking
2: all things disney with your hosts el john go and dave bossert
0: welcome to another edition of skull rock podcast where every week we talk all things Disney and pop culture with never before heard stories, behind the scenes moments from all your favorite Disney films and movies, theme park attractions, performances, books, and much, much more. I'm your co host, musician, longtime Marvel, Disney, and Star Wars pop culture aficionado, Aljon Go. And you can contact me at Aljon, A L J O N, at skullrockpodcast.com.
2: And I'm Dave Bossard, artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to our podcast. Uh, If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Uh, you can also email me at Dave at skullrockpodcast.com. Well, Al John, another week has gone by, and uh, I'm excited about this show. As I, I am every week that we do the show, I'm excited. We yeah, have a great guest coming up.
0: Absolutely. Um, author Barbara Abercrombie, a uh, prolific writer and uh, great the child children's books writer and, and, and she's got a brand new book. Uh, called Language of Loss that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, plus some writing tips for aspiring writers out there. And uh, regardless of whether you want to write professionally or if you just want to journal your life or you know, tell stories, I think this is going to be a great episode for you the author of her 16th book, The Language of
2: Loss is, w- is gonna be with us. And I gotta tell you, I'm excited. I I love Barbara. I think she's an incredible individual, a wonderful writer and a fantastic instructor, teacher. She was a teacher of mine at UCLA. Uh, we Let's get to it. I, I really don't wanna keep her waiting any longer. I mean, holy mackerel, this is gonna be a lot of fun talking with her.
0: Skull Rock
2: Podcast. Interview time. Well, Al, John, I got to tell you, I'm very excited about our guest today, Uh, author Barbara Abercrombie, who I I have to tell you, I've been looking forward to this interview for weeks and weeks. I can't I can't tell you. Um, uh, Barbara was one of my instructors at the UCLA Writers Program. She is an accomplished writer. She has published novels, children's picture books. She's uh, put out 16 books. She's edited books. She's an incredible writer. She, some of her recent books, A Year of Writing Dangerously and Kicking in the Wall, both published by New World Library, were chosen by Poets and Writers Magazine as two of the best books for writers. And I got to tell you, I've, written, I, I've read both of them, and uh, they're wonderful books. Uh, and so I just really want to welcome Barbara Abercrombie, author extraordinaire to the show. Hi, Barbara.
1: Hi, Dave. Hi, Al. John. Thank you for that introduction. Thanks for inviting me.
2: Well, you know, I have to tell you, Barbara, uh, I uh, really have enjoyed reading a year of writing dangerously and kicking in the wall. And you have a new book out called The Language of Loss, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But I really want to talk and ask you a couple of questions about how you got into writing, like. When did you start writing seriously for publication?
1: Oh, for publication, I started writing when I was 6. And um but for publication, I started writing seriously in my 20s and I wasn't a natural writer. I wasn't a particularly good writer. I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I had dropped out of college to become an actress, but I really wanted to write and I went Back to school, I went to a community college in in Southern California and took writing classes. And I just became obsessed. And um, I've written many, many, many books, and many, many of them have not been published. But um, basically, writing and teaching, that's just about all I know how to do. And fortunately, I love doing it. so. You know, i I have
2: to I have to say, like, uh, you know, from my own experience, because I've written some books. um it, it, it's, been a lot many, many books. But, but thank you. But, but I have to say, you know, uh, for me, I started writing later in life. And, and I don't know if that's true for a lot of writers and maybe you can speak to that a little bit because I, you know, you always hear that everyone has a story or everybody has a book in them that they have to put out at some point. What what are your thoughts on that on, on people writing?
1: I think everybody does have a story. You know, I used to teach, I've taught all different genres at UCLA. I've taught writing picture books and novels. And, and now I I, I teach nonfiction memoir and personal essays because Everybody cannot write a novel. Writing fiction is just a very peculiar sort of talent to have. But I do think everybody does have a story. And I love teaching because everybody has a personal essay, at least one. Um, I don't know if everybody has a book, but I love teaching personal. I feel more authentic and honest when I'm teaching personal essay and memoir because they They do have their, everybody has their own story and it's exciting to, to um, kind of guide people into writing it.
2: Yeah. And do do you feel as though um, uh, most people come into writing classes uh, all jazzed up because, you know, their mom said they were a good writer or their partner said they were a good writer and then they kind of peter out? Uh, No,
1: no, I don't find that. They come to class terrified. (laughs) (laughs) They're so nervous. And um, and some teacher had read, you know, little red comments all over their school papers and they've had disastrous experiences reading their work to family so people are really scared and then I find in classes and workshops they get encouraged by each other I find people who want to write absolutely wonderful um and i'm astonished every class i've ever taught how generous people are towards each other they can be very honest and generous at the same time so then they get revved up i think in class so it's just, i think it's the opposite i don't know did you have that experience <laughs>
2: You know, I, I've, I've seen, you know, in some of the beginning writing classes that I took at UCLA, I saw people come in and they, there were a few people that, you know, were all jazzed up, but by the third or fourth class, they disappeared. They didn't come back. And, and, and my view of it was that, that some people thought it was going to be easy. And I find writing really hard. I, I oh. mean i I do think it's hard. I mean I think you have to work at it to get good. I mean, oh, isn't that man. true you know? <gasps>
1: Do you have to work at it? Let me tell you how many times I rewrite my books.
2: I know how many times
1: I can rewrite a sentence. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: Yes, and I, I've had a couple. I had one student once say that she didn't read because I, I maintain you learn how to write. You don't learn from teachers. You learn how to write by writing and reading. Mm -hmm. And she said, "Well, I don't want to. I don't like to read." And I said, "Why on earth would you want to write then?" Um, so, um, I, 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 think writing, the only reason you write is because you love books so much and you just so want to put your story out there and, sure. um, you know you have to be a little obsessed to write because it is hard it is yeah. very very hard
2: it, it, it seems kind of odd for somebody to say that they don't like to read because okay. you know if you don't like to read then why are you writing books you want people to read your books if you're not willing to <laughs> right. read other people's books right. that, that seems a little odd doesn't it had
1: one student in all these years <laughs> that, that is the most who bizarre is you, who That is, is your so best bizarre.
2: student who was your best student, right?
1: Oh, who was my best, <laughs> Dave, of course. Of course, you, I think you are my student who has written more books than, and it wasn't because of me. You came already published many times. So. Well,
2: you know, I, I, that is true, Barbara. I mean, I, I had a book published before I actually ever went into the UCLA Writers Program. And and now I look at that first book and wish I could rewrite it. And maybe someday I will, you know, because I think I'm a better writer now, having gone through uh, the program uh, and, and taken all those classes. You know, I got two certificates from UCLA's writing program. How
1: many books have you written? Um, oh,
2: seven you. or eight, eight, eight.
1: Pretty good.
2: Yeah. I, and, 100%. and two of them, two of them have uh, uh special editions where I, I went in and made some, you know, changes and whatnot. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I feel very lucky and I think I'm, I'm sort of a, a very odd story. I mean, you know, well, it, it kind of dropped into my lap.
1: Well, like you've worked hard. You get lucky when you work hard.
2: I, I think I I think there's a certain amount of truth to that. But also it's about writing what you know, right? Isn't yes. isn't isn't that half the battle? You know, you, you sit down and write about your own personal experiences.
1: Right, unless you're writing fiction.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then yeah. I maintain that's why I don't teach writing fiction anymore because people come to fiction you would come to fiction classes and say, this really happened to me, but I don't want to upset my mother, my father, my spouse, my kids, you know, I want to write it as fiction. And I say, um, write it as a memoir, write it as a memoir then, because I think the whole joy of fiction is you get to put on costumes and masks and be somebody else and get out of your own skin and and live and, and imagine stuff. Sure, you know, and if there is a basis. You know, I always have to write about the geographical location I'm in to write fiction. But it'd be very boring to write about myself in fiction because I I write a lot about myself in my writing books, and that's that feels different.
2: Well, with with the some of the writing books that you've uh, uh, published um what prompted you to do that I mean uh, were those an outgrowth of your teaching uh is is, is that
1: you write the book you need to
2: read that that that, that's very true actually
1: I mean I I I have suffered with writer's block I don't write easily I've gone through a number of years where I tried a whole other profession because I thought I just I am stuck I can't I can't do this and I felt so inauthentic in this other work I was doing and I thought I don't care what happens I've got to write and I went and eventually you know it all came back but I write books about that because um you know I I love I love people who want to write and I really do want to help people get you know it sounds a little Pollyanna-ish but that's you know I really do want to help people get their story out.
2: No, but I mean writing. Is, I mean, there's a community there. I mean, yes. one of, you know, one of the things I I really have enjoyed over the years was um, uh, Al John Barbara uh, hosts uh, what's known as a lit salon, and and it's really just she's inviting a bunch of writers that she knows to her home on a on a Sunday morning. And, um, you know, there might be 25 or 30 people that show up and she has 10 slots for uh, 10 people to read for five minutes of something that they maybe are working on. It's a work in progress and they get to stand up and read in front of a group of people. And I've read uh, I've read some some bits uh, at those lit salons and I've also shown up and just listened to people. uh, reading, uh, something that they're in the middle of working on. Some of it very fascinating, by the way. Um, I love and, it. Yeah. And, and, but it is a community, isn't it?
1: It is David. Don't you feel it's sort of a love fest. I mean, people yeah. really, you know, strangers come in and everybody welcomes them and there's yeah. a real connection. You know how that started with my husband died six years ago and we had a, you know, house, big house. And I, I thought this house is so empty. I've got to fill it with, with, you know, we have a lot of kids, but I, I really wanted, I needed a lot of people around me at that point. So I called up I don't know, 10 X student, previous students and, 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 current students. And then I also, um, and any writers I knew who lived, lived nearby and just said, I'm going to have a potluck, come bring some food, bring a bottle of wine and read, read for five minutes. And then it started growing and it grew. It's what, in the, as soon as this pandemic is over, we will go back to it. And, um,
2: which I hope so. And and by the way, I never attended the uh, lit salon when you were living on the West side of Los Angeles. Um, I, it was it was always one of those things where I think you did it on an evening during the week. I
1: did Wednesday
2: uh, and, and I just could not battle the traffic to get over there. It was just wow. too crazy. But, but now that you do it on a weekend and you're doing it over in Pasadena, yeah. it, it's just so much more convenient and, uh, and I've I've tried not to miss any of them. I I think I've been to most of them. But I one of the things I enjoy is when you do read a piece. Um, uh, like you said, there's strangers there. There's people you don't know. And uh, accomplished writers. Uh, and for one of them to to give you a nod afterwards or come over to you after the readings are done and say, wow, I really enjoyed that piece uh, that you read. I, I find that, you know, it, it, it's... Uh, it's charging, you know, it, yes. it kind of charges your batteries. you right, know. Right. Oh, I it's,
1: love that. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the, my, I, that's one of the joys, pure joys of my life doing that lit salon once a month.
2: Now how, how often do you sort of sit down and say, Oh, I'm going to go do a book or do you have a list of, of things <laughs> you want to write about and say, Oh, I'm going to do this book and then move on to this next one or how does it, that work for you? What's it what's your process?
1: Tony, my process changes. Um, when I've got, I started writing very seriously when my daughters were babies and I would go into the kit. I was living in, I was living in Palos Verdes and um, I felt very isolated because there were no other, I didn't know any other writers or um, artists or creative people. And um, I would go into the kitchen Every day at one when my girls went down for a nap and I'd set my kitchen oven timer for one hour and I would tell my girls, you cannot open the kitchen door. You cannot get out of your cribs until you hear the timer goes off, unless you're bleeding. If you're bleeding, you can come into the kitchen. Because like, <laughs> they took it very seriously. So that was my one hour. And then they started school and then I'd write while they were at school. And then it's interesting when your kids grow up and, and go off into the world, you suddenly have a lot of time. and um, you could have two, it's sometimes it's good to have, a be stricter, you know, it's like, it's like playing tennis with a net, you know, you're, you're more disciplined when you have a shorter amount of time. So now the process is a little messy. I also teach and I don't like to write on the days I teach. So um, I don't know, Dave. <laughs> Well, you know,
2: you know what it is, Barbara, I think everybody has their own process. It's yeah. like being an artist. You know, if I I was, you know, an artist at the Disney company for, you know, better than 30 years. And, you know, I always get people saying, you know, how, how can I do this? How can I get a job? How can I become an animator or whatever it is? And, you know, there is no right way, I don't think, um, you know, to to paint a picture, to write a book, uh, to yeah. to draw a picture. Uh, these are these are things that you develop over time, and, and you certainly you want to read uh, books that you've written on, like you know uh, how to uh, get through writer's block and and be inspired uh, by by those kinds of books. But ultimately, you're gonna do your own process. Exactly, um,
1: figure it out how to fit it into your yeah. life and live you know, at I, the same I, time.
2: I have to say I, I often laugh sometimes because you know I I take some woodworking classes uh, every summer up in Maine. I, I always like to take classes and uh, and I would I would always smile sometimes because you'd have you'd always invariably have somebody come into the class who had never done woodworking before. But boy, they just had the killer toolbox of like the best chisels and everything. And they were all set to go. And uh, and I I often see that with uh, people who are you know wanting to learn how to paint. They go out and buy the best stuff or. Or uh, I had somebody ask me, you know, what do you use to journal with? You know, because I I write every day. In fact, I'm I'm gonna hold up my my composition notebook right here uh, that I write in every single day. And some of it's it's gibberish. It's garbage. It's whatever is in my head. I'm writing stuff down, but somebody said to me, what kind of a journal should I get? You know? And I'm like, go, don't go out and buy a leather bound thing with, okay. you know, a $300 pen. I said, you know, go to Walmart and get yourself a composition book for 49 cents and, yeah. and a, a big pen. That's all you need, you know? So exactly, I get those
1: three, those three whole, um, notebooks, college lined, and you can get them at the market. And it's not a big deal. And a lot of some of my students have given me beautiful journals and they intimidate me. And I, you know, you don't want to write something and then have to tear it out because, <laughs> um, so I use them for quotes from other writers or recipes or something. But yeah, I absolutely agree. There's no, just, just the
2: thing is to write every day is to just sit down and do it. You know, I think one of the best pieces of advice I I read was from Stephen King. Uh, he has a book called on writing. Oh, it's a wonderful, seen, it's in a wonderful book. He yes. wrote it after he was hit by a, a, a car up in Maine uh, and he was convalescing. He wrote that book and, uh, and he, he basically says you got to just sit down at the desk and do it. Yeah. Get to work, you know,
1: and, and get stubborn. I think stubbornness is more important than talent. You know, just being so stubborn that you don't give up. I've been, I'm writing a memoir now and I've been writing it for six years. And at one point my, my agent liked the writing and she said, but you don't really need the second half of this memoir. And then she said, Oh, and all this stuff about the house, that's not working. And so, and she's so smart that I realized she was right. I cut out half the book, cut out the house, certain things about a house. And I went back to work and I've regenerated my excitement about the book and I'm just, you know, maybe it's going to take me another six years, but by God, I'll finish that book one way or the
2: other. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, let, let's get to this latest book that you put out. And, and I want I want the audience to know that I was honored to be able to actually read this as a PDF in advance of the, uh, yes, I was part of your launch team. Uh, Uh, And I was able to read this book as a PDF before it actually came out. And I had pre-ordered it anyway. Uh, And I've got it right here, my copy, which I'll I'll bring to you at some point to have you sign for me. Uh, But it's called The Language of Loss, Poetry and Prose for Grieving and Celebrating the Love of Your Life. And I just thought this was such a timely Book. It came out last November, and you know, right in the midst of this terrible pandemic we're in, and and before um, before we went on the air for this interview, you and I chatted, and I was telling you how I've sent out, you know, Nancy and I have sent out a number of uh, condolence cards for people that we know who have passed away, uh, several of them from COVID. Uh, and, and I just thought this I read this from cover to cover and I and I thought to myself, I wish that this book was out like seven or eight years ago, uh, when I experienced some, some family loss, um, what prompted you to write this and, and when did you, you know, what, what, I'm always interested in the artistic process. I, I, I like, did you wake up one morning and go, I have to write this book, the language of loss. I mean, how did the, how did it come about to do this book?
1: That's inter- Do you know that's interesting because I just recently was reading an old journal of mine and it, it came up in my journal. I got the idea and I started writing about it in the journal. It came the idea came about a year after my husband died because I had I get through stuff by reading and when and I, when he died I couldn't concentrate on on reading anything long. I couldn't even concentrate on the newspaper. I could read, I wanted to read poetry because poetry cuts to the chase. And I really wanted to read just about people who had poets who had lost the love of their life, you know, their spouse or their partner. Um, And then it gradually went into, I started reading memoir too. And I I thought, I want to, I want to create a book, the book that I wanted needed to read when my husband died, and it would have poetry, and it would have excerpts of memoir in it. So I I spent about, I don't know, months or almost a year. It was sort of like a side project, and I would and I, I would just find wonderful poems on, online, some stuff that hadn't even been published yet. One by poet uh, Alison Joseph, who, whose husband had just died and she was writing poetry to him on Facebook. And she, I mean, she's a published poet and her poems were wonderful. And I got in, I befriended her and I said, could, I'm doing, putting together a book. Could I use your poems? And uh, she very graciously said yes. Um, and then I, um, I wrote an introduction to it about a three, I guess it's a three page introduction about how, what, what it was like when my husband died, I became very, you know, this language of condolence irritated me, you know, all the euphemisms we use for death, you know, he had passed, he was my late husband, he was all, you know, all this stuff. And I really yearned for real language, uh, the true language. He had died and he was dead and he had vanished from the face of the earth. And that was the hunger for reading, reading uh, 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 about the loss of someone you loved and lived with. Um, That's what started the book. And then it took me, it took me, Dave, like two years to write that three page introduction though.
2: I, I I loved it. I mean, I I'm going to quote you here. My husband had not gone to a better place as if he were off on a holiday. Yeah. He had not passed like a cloud, like clouds overhead. Nor was he my late husband, as if he had missed a train. I, 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 I smiled actually, when I read that because yeah. I, I knew exactly how you were feeling. you know, when when people say those things to you, I think partly because they're out of they're, there's a loss of words for them. Uh, uh, and they don't know how, but they feel compelled to say something, you know,
1: exactly. And they mean the best. I mean, their heart certainly was in the right place, but we're so uncomfortable with grief. We are so uncomfortable with grief. I, one of the best things anybody did for me, a friend of mine, who's a, who's a dermatologist. She said, she'd call me and she'd say, she'd say, get ready. I'm coming over and I'm, we're going to go walk on the beach. And I'd say, okay, (laughs) And then she'd bring me something from Trader Joe's, like some kind of candy or or pink Himalayan salt. You know, but it was so wonderful. And somebody brought me a basket of books and a basket of comfort food and said, we're going to take a walk. And that that those were the things. But most people, it's hard. You don't know what to say. You know, you really don't.
2: It is. It's awkward um and, and again nobody nobody's nobody teaches us any of this, you, you, there isn't a, you know, when you're growing up and going to grade school, there isn't a class on. Oh, okay, well, you know, here's, okay. you're going to take a semester of grieving uh, okay. because you'll experience this later in life and right. you'll, you'll, you'll know how to handle it. You know, there yeah. isn't anything like that. Yeah,
1: um, I hope this is one hope is that this would be used as a as a gift book too when you don't know what to say. Yeah, you know, you give them, you give somebody this book which acknowledges judges. You know the depth of your loss too, because the poems are the, are the poem. The, I just love the material I found for it. There's, you know, Mary Oliver is in it, and Joy Harjo, and just, and and C.S. Lewis, just wonderful, wonderful writers.
2: Yeah, the, I mean, there's there's familiar names, and there's people that I had never heard of before. I think one of the things I love about this book is that you and I keep it on my desk, by the way, since oh. I've gotten it. It's one well, of the few. Nice. I mean, I have books all over the place, but. This is literally sitting on top of my or sitting on top or underneath my journal, depending on the day. Uh, But what's so wonderful about this book is that you can pick it up and literally just flip it open to a page and read a poem, read a short passage and put it back down. And I I find it very comforting and uh, and uh, easy to digest Uh, it's not like you, you can read it all the way through and I have read it all the way through front to back. Uh, but you can also just pick it up and randomly open it, uh, to a page and read a passage. And that, that,
0: that's a beautiful thing.
1: Thank you, Dave. Boy,
0: that makes me happy. That makes me feel good. Barbara, can I I chime in for a second? Go ahead, ahead, Um, Al John. I just want to say it's therapy, you know, it's good therapy because um, you know and and you were talking about uh, Dave you mentioned the how people aren't prepared uh, to have that conversation with a friend or with an acquaintance about losing someone or even at the office it's super awkward and uh, this is this is great not only is it a great you know something that you can offer as condolences uh, for someone that has lost somebody but it is comforting it is therapeutic um, you know I never fully uh, I never fully, I'm still having trouble with it, actually dealing with the loss of my mom. You know, my mom died in 2013. Uh, She died really suddenly. And I still have, I still have issues with it. I still, I still deal with it. I don't think I fully really processed it. But the great news is, is that, and and it is a lonely, it is lonely, you know, and you also wrote a book about losing a pet. And those things, those things, those things, they touch you in such a great um, uh, profound way and knowing that there is comfort when you can't find the solace and comfort in others, you can pick up the book and kind of know, you know what? It's cool that um, someone has experienced this because it is a lonely place out there, you know, and when you can't find the comfort or the seek the comfort of others, uh, you can pick up the book and, and find some comfort in that. And I appreciate that. So thank you.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I think it is the company. I wanted company. I wanted company. And if you haven't gone through grief, you just there's no re, there's no understanding of it. And and I think you go through grief. Um, and and but you will always miss the person. There's no closure. I hate that word closure. You know, like you know that I say in the book. You know, closure is for roads. Um, road repair, but. Right closure it's you will always miss that person you will always have things you want to tell that person uh, but i think the active grief if, if if you feel the you know when you feel the grief there's no going around it you, you know it's a cliche you have to go through it and um and then you're left with always missing that person but life goes it's, on, and I think also it opens. I think a huge thing is that when you go through grief, grief, your heart is open. You you expand. I think you you become a. You, it changes you in a good way, in yeah. a very good way. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, uh, Al John used the term therapy. Um, I I want to touch on that for a second because uh, in your experience with uh, the writing classes that you teach at UCLA. Uh, do you feel like there's a lot of people that come in and want to write about, um, you know, uh, a a loss in their life or uh, whether, whether that's, you know, the death of, of a loved one or or the disillusionment of, uh, a, a, of a relationship or a marriage or things like that?
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. And there's a, it's, it's writing, of course, writing is therapy, reading is therapy. I love you that you brought that up, Al John, that reading good writers is therapy, but it's not how to, there are no steps. You just, you just learn from the wisdom of others and people in teaching. I always, you know, I say, okay, you know, your story is going to, we're treating it as a story it's your story. You lived through it, but now we're going to craft it into a piece of literature. We're going to craft it into a real story. And so I feel for, you know, I, I, my heart is with you and I, I, I know what you've been through, but now we're going to take it as a very objective story (laughs) and work on it that way. And I, I, I have a woman, I'm teaching a master class in memoir now at UCLA and I, I have eight students and some of them have gone through horrific things. And I had to say in the beginning, I, uh, my heart hurts for you, but now we're going to get tough with the story. And there are certain things you're going to cut out. There are certain things you're going to go deeper into, but yeah, there's always that, you know, there's no clear lines. Once again, Dave, between therapy and writing, except in the end you're writing the story for other people to read not just to make yourself feel better. I heard a wonderful quote the other, the other night. I'm watching um, on, on Netflix uh, Pretend It's a City with Fran Lieberwitz, and I recommend that. It's quite wonderful. And she was interviewing Tony Morrison, and one of them said, I can't remember which, that a book, is a book a mirror or is it a door?
2: Yeah, that's great. I mean, isn't that
1: wonderful? I've yeah. been thinking about that. I've to write an essay about that or something. I just uh, love that.
2: <clears throat> so, and, and yeah. I, I was just going to uh, say, when, when somebody comes into a class and wants to write that kind of a story, um, do most of those people get those stories published, do you feel? Or are they doing it really for themselves as a, 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 a way through it uh, f- uh, and out the back end, if, if you will?
1: I would say it depends what level class. To the beginning classes, I think it's sort of half and half, maybe. And I always encourage them to, you know, take a take an essay, make a personal essay out of part of your memoir because a book is is really hard to get published. And hundreds, thousands of them have gotten. I've been teaching a long time, have gotten their personal essays published, and a number, I quite a, you know, I I can't I don't know how many, but some. I would say almost one out of every class has gotten their book published one way or the other. That's awesome. With a, with a publisher or self-publishing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But, you know, speaking of publishing, uh, let's talk about that for a little bit, if you don't mind. I mean, how has the publishing world changed for you over the course of your writing career?
1: It has changed by my first novel, HarperCollins' book, Bought. I mean, it wasn't my first one, but the first one that got published that my agent sold. I wrote thirty pages and a not a very good letter to my agent about the book, and Harper Collins bought it. Wow. Uh, yeah. Now there's no way, unless you're, you know, Joyce Carol Oates or somebody, that you can get away with thirty pages and a rambling sort of letter you have to you they want a they want a complete polished draft of a book a manuscript yeah they're looking for also when you know when i started writing there there was there was something called vanity publishing which was just you know People never, you know, only your mother would buy the book if you'd ban it. You know, you pay you, and they it wasn't cheap. You paid a fortune, and this company promised you all sorts of things, and then they, you know, that you'd have I don't know 500 copies of your book for your mother. Um, Now, self-publishing or hybrid publishing, there are so many different ways to get your book published, and with the internet. If you self-publish and there are wonderful companies now that will publish people's work um, and not cost an arm arm and a leg, um, you have such a, if you have any kind of a platform, if you're, you know, what whatever you do in life, um, whatever line of work you're in, you you know, would be your platform and you could, uh, you could sell it, you could do your own marketing online. And it's, so that's huge. It's, it's like, but
2: but don't you think authors uh, in general, I- unless you're Stephen King or, uh, you know, uh, top tier, yeah. uh, uh, don't you feel most writers uh, that are publishing uh, have to do, do all their own marketing and advertising yes. oh, anyway. Oh
1: yes. Yes. I
2: mean, that, that's a big part of, uh, of the business. It's not yeah. just writing the book. It, yeah. It's actually getting it out and telling people that you've written this book and that they should read it mm-hmm. and why they should read it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I'm, that's, that's a part, I call myself the marketing whore, but yeah. I'm very <laughs> bad at it. I, especially for this book, it sort of seems unseemly, you know? Yeah. Um, but I've got to get, I'm going to start launching my Facebook, whatever, and get get into marketing. But you do. You have to market. You have to bite the bullet and get over yourself and just go out there and sell your book. And, you know, we've got such an opportunity with the Internet. Look at we're doing an interview. I'm sitting in my office. It's Sunday morning, and we're doing... You
2: know, I know I know and, and it's wonderful, I think you yeah, know I think I, I think I think there's more opportunities for writers today than yes. there may have been 25 years ago. Uh, there's more avenues for them to go down.
1: I think so too. I
2: do too, yeah. which which is really a good thing. Uh, what advice would you give to um, a, a listener who has been thinking about writing something? I mean, where do people start? I know where I started, but where where what would you tell somebody who came up to you and said, "Barbara, I want to write a book. Where how do I do that?"
1: Well, I'd say (laughs) sit down (laughs) and get a notebook and figure out what you want to write and why you want to write it. And I would also suggest that they get into a good workshop because I think we need, I think we need company. Um, I think we need other people. We need encouragement. We need to read our stuff and get feedback on it. But but here's the deal with a workshop: the minute a workshop um, makes you feel less than, than makes you feel like you that you don't have enormous potential in writing. Just get out of it. If people get snarky, if people make yeah. snarky little comments, this is not a workshop. This is a, some, you know, a whole other thing that you don't will not, you need to feel nurtured in a workshop. And you also need to feel that you're getting really honest feedback given to you in a way that doesn't, um, you know, cause you great anguish and despair.
2: <laughs> absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I have to say, uh, when I started uh, taking the classes at the UCLA Writers Program, I, I felt very fortunate because I had been an artist for decades and I was used to getting um, uh, feedback on my work on a daily basis. And so I think I came into it with a little bit of a thicker skin that I could take and and also... Be able to recognize the constructive criticism from, you know, flip comments or things like that. And, and, and I think what's so great about being in a good writing program is the, uh, uh, the fact that there's rules for uh, being uh, decent in those classes and being supportive and finding the good things and giving constructive criticisms
1: Right, right. Because if you're, especially if you're, well, whatever you're writing, um, it can be devastating if somebody gives you feedback in a way that is cruel or unfeeling or too harsh. And I have never heard anything in my class read that, that, that couldn't lead to something else. And in a good class, other and, and people learn this in class. Other students learn this very quickly. I'm so proud of all my students because they, they catch on so fast that you figure out, well, what's good about this? You know, where could this lead or what, what is good about it right now? And then how and then the questions, you know, I'm confused about something or other or I'd like more of this or more or less of that. So um, it's. I would say sit down and write and get into a good workshop. And there's a lot of good stuff on online right now.
2: And you're teaching not only at UCLA, but you also do a class at Vramen's bookstore. Romans, yes, Romans, I do. I call it yeah. Vramen's. Vramen's. Romans, yeah, Romans like bookstore in Pasadena, which I've given quite a few shout outs for oh. on our it, program here.
1: Oh, good. That's so good. Romans is wonderful. It's it's Pasadena's bookstore. I started a workshop there because I was moving to Pasadena and I thought, I want to know, I want to meet the writers in Pasadena. And it's grown into, it grew into a wonderful, wonderful group. And I, I miss them and love them and can't wait till I go back. It was a, a Saturday morning once a month and it was yeah. Yeah, but I'm teaching my UCLA class online now
2: too. Do Do you prefer uh, teaching in the classroom or online?
0: What, what's I your preference?
1: Do, I I had never taught online until last March when it was thrown at me. Um, I love teaching in a in person. You know, you pick up on just little. Physical
2: the the body language, the body so language, body
1: language yeah. and the, yeah. and it's just it's just a real community feeling. But I'm surprised. I'm also living it online.
2: I oh, am. Yeah. Okay. I really am. Yeah. I,
1: I am, and everybody. I, my my current class, half are new people, and half have taken my classes for ages, and they've become connected. And one person um is in is in the UK, so people can oh, yeah. be all over and take the class.
2: And it's, yeah. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Um, What, what do you want people to get out of the language of loss? Uh, I mean, you wrote this really because you felt like there was not a book for you. So you wrote the book you wanted to read. What, what do you, what's been the feedback and and what do you hope for uh, with this book?
1: I hope that it offers comfort and company to people that it offers um honest company because people don't there's a lot of flowery stuff written about grief and a lot of inspiration and steps and all of that. But I I I think to know that all our all the feelings you have in grief, which is guilt and anger and I mean you just become a crazy person in guilt, I think that they're not alone that other people feel that and so um i, I i'm heartsick that it's so appropriate at this time but i hope i hope it gives comfort i hope it it helps people
2: yeah i definitely think it will yeah. That's, uh th- this has just been so wonderful talking with you, Barbara. It's, okay. it, it's, it, it's been like, a, it's been a year since I've seen you. Yes. Uh, I, I know we traded emails online, yes. but it's been a year. Yes. I, it's just hard to believe to me.
1: It has. Um, Alton, it's so nice to meet you too. I've absolutely. heard you on, I've heard, listened to the podcast. Oh. So it's nice to, to, yeah, we're on Zoom and we can see each other. So it's, <laughs> this is nice to meet Likewise, you. Likewise,
0: Absolutely. And by the way, I have to also say that your website, Barbara has got some really cool just um, links and to some of your blog posts and just uh, letters of encouragement and just kind of, you know, what, what you've done with your essays and things. So I encourage our, our listeners uh, that that love to write or want to learn more about writing to get insp- inspired. By some of the stuff you put out there um, with some of your links. So inspiration oh, or getting started or tips uh, on journalism or just by keeping a journal rather. Uh, those are really cool things. I, I clicked through and read a lot of them. And I think uh, it's really good stuff.
1: Oh, you good. Know, thank you.
2: Thank you. I, I have to say, I I love journaling. Uh, I've been doing it for years and, you know, I've gone sort of in and out of it uh, over the last 40 years. But uh, for the most part, uh, I've been doing it consistently now for the last uh, 10 or so years. Uh, on a daily basis and I just fill up these composition books and, I, and then when I fill one up, I put it up on the bookshelf and, uh, and start a new one. And I, I find it very therapeutic uh, just to it, it, you know you can yell into your book. Right. you can say thing, you can say things in your journal that you, you know really you shouldn't say in person to somebody or you know or you, you can yeah. vent and, 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 uh, and write down ideas, and, and all of those kinds of things. Uh, I, I, I think it's such a worthwhile thing for individuals to do. And nobody's, you know, I look at it as, no one's ever gonna read this stuff until after I've left this planet, uh, at, at which point I don't care, you
1: know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right, right, but that is therapy and you can rant and you can whine and all that raw yucky, you know, you can put it down on the page and then then you, if you use it in your real writing, then you start crafting all of that.
2: There yeah. you go. Uh, what, what's, the, what's next for you, Barbara?
1: What's next for me? I I feel so lucky. I'm just able to work and do what I love, teaching. I'll teach another. You know, my class, my master class goes until next June. Then I'll teach, start teaching another class in the fall. And um, I have some failed novels I want to go back to, and I want to finish my memoir. And I just keep writing and teaching, and I feel. I feel so lucky there's something I love to do so much that I've done all my life. And you know, I've been writing since I was six years old and I'm still writing. So it's amazing. Yeah,
2: absolutely amazing. We're we're talking with Barbara Abercrombie, uh, author of her latest book, her 16th book, The Language of Loss, Poetry and Prose for Grieving and Celebrating the Love of Your Life. Uh, I can't recommend this book more highly for anybody, especially during this period, because I think we've all been touched in one way or another by this pandemic. We know people who have passed away prematurely, uh, who are ill, uh, and uh, this is a book that will comfort the soul without
0: question. Thank you, Barbara. Oh,
1: thank you, Dave. Thank you, Al John. This has really been... Treat.
0: Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, also big shout out to you at New World Press and you can find oh, the New Indie- World Library. New World Library, New World Library. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's New World so Library tough. and you can also check out the link which we'll include in this show indiebound.org. Uh, you can check that link out and you can purchase the book there at your uh, finest bookstore uh, right around the corner. Hopefully uh, you'll be able to do that and if you can't uh, obviously online as well. But thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. Skull Rock Podcast, your weekly dose of pixie dust.
0: What a great interview, uh, Dave. It's always nice to have your friends here. What a delight. She she's absolutely
2: lovely. Again, I just want to remind uh, our audience, The Language of Loss: Poetry and Prose for Grieving and Celebrating the Love of Your Life. It's a fantastic book. This is a book that you'll read from cover to cover and I guarantee you'll just keep it on the nightstand or on a end table and pick it up periodically and just read a page, read a read a poem. Uh, it, it's really a wonderful book. I I've enjoyed it immensely. I wish she had written it like seven or eight years ago. Um, and it's available, uh, from the new world library, uh, is the publisher. You can get it really at any of the bookstores out there, your local bookstore, help them out. They can order this book for you. If you're in Los Angeles, certainly uh, Vromans in Pasadena, uh, uh, where Barbara actually teaches once a month or was teaching once a month and will be, I'm sure, teaching again once a month uh, once uh, things get back to some level of normalcy. But uh, I really enjoyed that. It it was a lot of fun catching up with her. Absolutely. Um,
0: Absolutely.
2: And, and, you know, Al John, we've got a lot of uh, guests coming up uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, I can tell you right now that uh, we've got uh, Kathy, animator Kathy Zielinski is going to be joining us, animator Dan Jupe. Uh, We've got uh, effects uh, animator, master effects animator, Ted Kiersey, uh, at the end of February. We've got a whole bunch of people lined up that are going to be coming on the show and talking about their own personal experiences, uh, how they got into the business, what they're doing now, uh, all kinds of fun
0: stuff. Uh, I'm excited. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Those sound like amazing guests. And once again, we thank you for listening if you've just found us for the first time thank you so much we'd appreciate a review give us a like of course subscribe and uh please follow us on all the social platforms out there uh, instagram facebook twitter and if you'd also like to follow uh, dave and myself on linkedin you're more than welcome to do that and when you do just drop us a line saying you heard it here on skull rock podcast and uh, we'll definitely follow you back absolutely You can also email us, Dave, at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljon, A-L-J-O-N, at SkullRockPodcast.com. We encourage the comments, the questions to to roll in, especially for our upcoming guests. So uh, please feel free to do that. Dave, any final words? I just would say to everybody, be well, stay safe. The vaccine is rolling out.
2: I can't wait to get my shot. Uh, I hope you all have a fantastic
0: week ahead you too al john oh thanks i <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> uh until next time please take care of yourself and we'll see you next week skull rock podcast is made possible by listeners like you we'd love to thank charles Lindsay, spencer and joshua to support this podcast to sustain future episodes visit anchor.fm forward slash skull rock podcast